everyone, it's Lacey Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love. And this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls, and this is Talk of Love. Now, you may notice that the background is a little bit different than how I normally have it, and that's because I am at home, and I'm actually doing a spinoff episode of Talk of Love today, and I am calling it Love of Talk, because... I definitely love to talk. I love to hear other people talk. And on the Love of Talk episodes, basically what I'm doing is I'm talking about anything that's related to Rock of Love or the Of Love shows, but I'm also covering all other kinds of topics as well. You guys over the past year have asked me all kinds of questions that sometimes are not related to when I have a guest come in. And so this gives me the opportunity to answer you guys' questions, but to also talk about things that maybe have to do with like my personal life or my marriage or advice or music or just anything else that's that's either related or not to the Of Love show. Before we get into it, I have a small favor to ask of all of you. If you haven't done so already, and if you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the subscribe button on YouTube. That will definitely help get the podcast into the algorithm so that more people can see it. And while you're at it, if you could please give this video a like or a thumbs up, I would really appreciate that as well. Last week, I had such a great time um, with my first Love of Talk episode with you guys because you asked me some really, really great, fun questions. And because I love to talk, I think I only got to like five or six questions. So I'm definitely going to make an effort to get to some more of your questions today. On YouTube, I received a question. Eduardo asks, can you talk about how the confessionals are done? Are they done after you finish filming the show? All of you talk in present tense. Are you shown footage of the scenes to help you remember? That's a really good question, Eduardo. And actually, a lot of you have wanted to know about that. So basically, there's two ways of going about this. There are the confessionals, which I actually don't remember if that's what they're called, but just for the sake of this conversation, we'll call them confessionals. And that is when we are in the little room. We're always wearing the same outfit. We usually have the same hairstyle. And Eduardo is correct. We are talking in present tense. Then we have another way of going about doing things, which is something called on the fly. Now, on the flies are when you see us on location of wherever we are, whether it's the date with Brett or whether it's a challenge. Sometimes we're outside. So those are called on the fly. So those are two different things. So um, first I'll talk about the on the flies. I've mentioned a few times on the podcast and so some of the others, the producers have these like hiding spots. I don't even know where they, where they hide exactly, but I know they have a control room, which is basically like the room where they monitor all of us. They have like their computer monitors and, and they can hear everything that we're saying and they can see what we're, what we're doing even if they're not there with us, they can see basically through the eyes of the camera. So they're in the control room, but I feel like a lot of times they sort of sneak out and it seems like they just come out of nowhere. Sometimes they'll be just like, you'll be doing your thing. And suddenly one will just appear seemingly out of the wall, (laughs) out of like some hidden door or something like that. And I feel like they do the on the flies because they want to get your, your raw, real emotions. So like if something is happening and there's a moment where they can just kind of grab you just for like five minutes, they'll, they'll just grab you. And it's really weird because you know, you're, you're, you're in your moment and you're, you're really into the, the feelings or the emotions of whatever is going on right then and there. And all of a sudden a producer come, will come and it's, and whenever you see the producers, it's sort of like, it snaps you out of it and it makes you realize like, oh yeah, this is a, a TV show, you know, because the cameramen and the camera women who are all around you, 
you get used to them. It's really strange. It's, it's a strange thing to get used to, but you do sort of learn to block them out as if they are just part of the background because that's what we're told to do. Um, but when the producers pop out and just kind of grab you like, hey, come over here for a second, it, it is a little weird. It's like, oh, what? Uh, uh, okay, it's, it's strange. So they'll grab you and like, let's say that you are um, at a challenge where it's like you're out by a pool. They'll just kind of pull you into like a spot that you can tell has already been like pre-chosen. There's like a pretty background or something like that. And they'll just ask you like three or four questions. And um, and as I said, it's, it's kind of like the more real moment because we're still like, in it, you know, and then they'll send us back. So that's, those are called on the flies. Um, then there are the confessionals, which is the thing that I actually don't remember what they called them, but I, you know, we'll just say confessionals. And those are crazy because what was supposed to happen was the producer was supposed to grab us every couple of days. And they would usually tell us like the day before they would try to get us like really super early in the morning or super late at night. So it wasn't interfering with any of the, like the drama or the story that was going on in regards to like challenges or a date with Brad or whatever. But, um, so yeah, they just, they would just be like, Hey, we're going to do your, your confessional, you know, seven 30 in the morning, you know, be ready. So, um, that was supposed to happen like once or twice a week. The problem is the producers got really far behind specifically on rock of love season one. I remember they got really far behind. So by the time I was eliminated, um, they actually wouldn't let me go home, even though I lived like 20 minutes away, which really bummed me out. They put me in a hotel and they're like, we're going we're to come and get you in the morning. And basically you have to wear the same outfit and the same hairstyle, that sort of thing. So they were so far behind by the time that they got to me after I had already been eliminated that it was like, mind numbing. It was, it was, I, I remember I was so brain fried by the end of it. I think they had me in there literally for like eight or nine hours. And in the beginning, you're like really into it. And if there's something that you don't remember, uh, they don't show us a clip or anything like that because the clips aren't necessarily put together yet, but they will tell us and, and they take really thorough notes. Like if they go, Hey, remember when you and, and Dallas got into that argument about whatever. And I'll be like, wait, which, which one was that? I don't remember. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll pull out these notes and they'll be like, Dallas said, Lacey, why are you such a bitch? And you were like, Dallas, why do you hate animals so much? Or like whatever it was. They would literally read line by line what the other people said or what you said. And it was also helpful because you got to remember a lot of us were drinking a lot. So we would forget if it was a night that we'd had too much to drink or whatever. And they would just read us back what we said. And then they would ask us to comment on it. And the present tense thing is weird and does definitely take some getting used to because we don't normally talk like that in real life. You know, if you go, what did you do last Thursday? Um, or, or, or what happened last Thursday? I'm like, Oh, last Thursday I got into this argument with this girl. I was, she pissed me off so much. And you can't say she pissed me off so much. You have to say, I am so pissed right now. And if you pay attention, you'll notice a lot of times when the, the girls or the guys talk in the confessionals, they'll use the words like right now, they'll go, Oh my God, this happened. And I'm so excited right now. And the only reason that we did that, we weren't told to do that, but it's just sort of, it's such an unnatural thing to speak in present tense as if it's happening now about something that already happened. So I think that we all just kind of fell into the habit of, of saying that just to kind of help it get into the present tense, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was weird. And the problem with when they would get behind and we'd have to do it for hours and hours is in the beginning, you have like your own little funny one-liners or your, your, um, 
your your comments about whatever the situation was. But after like hour five, you're just like, I don't know, tell me what to say, you know? And so a lot of times they would help you out because they could tell that you're getting brain fried. So when people say, are the shows scripted? That was really the only time that it was kind of scripted, but it wasn't, they didn't really have us say anything outside of what we would have said anyway. They were basically just like helping us out. Or if they had thought up something that was kind of funny, um, you know, they would go like, oh, why don't you try saying this or try saying that? And they would just feed us something to kind of kickstart our brains. Um, but yeah, when I was doing my final confessionals, I was so, so brain fried because it literally, I sat there for like eight or nine hours just talking about all these um, different situations. And you had to go day by day and and go through every single moment that happened from the time that you woke up, you had to go, so I woke up today, I'm waking up today and I hear that we're going to have a challenge and I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm really excited, you know? And they go, okay, talk about like when you hear about the challenge, I just learned that the challenge is that we're going to be doing motorcycle riding and I've never ridden a motorcycle, so I don't even know what to think right now. And they're like, okay, you just got into an argument with this girl. Tell us about that. I just got into an argument with Dallas and like, she's such a bitch and when is she going to learn? You know, or I can't wait to get her out, you know? So it's like step by step by step. It's, and it's really a weird way to tell the stories, but basically they have every girl comment on every single aspect of the entire day so that they have so much to pick and choose from so they can choose like the funniest bits. But one thing that was interesting is if you're going to develop a friendship or, or a relationship with one of the producers, it's usually in that moment. And so a lot of times I had a lot of fun with it because the producers have to keep their energy up high too. It's, it's not just like a question and answer because that they just like read you in a boring tone of voice, that energy that they give you, you're going to give them back. So the producer's like, oh my God, so tell us about what happened when this, you know, when you got the fight with so-and-so, tell us about it, you know? So their energy is like really up too, so that you can like bounce off of that. So there was times, I think there was a couple of times where it showed me like making a joke. And then I was like cracking myself up and I was, it looks like I was just laughing at myself for like five minutes, but really what it was is, is, um, the producers would feed off of you really well. So if you had a funny joke, then the producer would kind of chime in and then you would add to it and then they would add to it. And so by the end of it, they would get whatever their joke was. So they're really, really good at it. And that was usually when you had your bonding moment with the producers. And it really was a lot of fun. And they were they were really, really good at their jobs, for sure. They were great at what they did. So thank you, Eduardo, for your question. And uh, oh, he also says, greetings from Latin America. That's so awesome. I'm curious which country you're from. Greetings from Las Vegas, Nevada. Some of you asked on the Talk of Love Instagram account, which if you don't know, is at Talk of Love Podcast. Here is a recorded message from Gogo. Hey, Lacey. Congratulations on Talk of Love success. Thank you for being my antidepressant for this past year. My question was regarding your potential spinoff. I love Lacey. Had it happened, I was wondering what your thoughts on it are. Like, what kind of guys would you have casted on the show? Would it have any, like, gimmicks that the other of love shows didn't have? Thank you so much. That's a really great question. For any of you guys who are new to the podcast and might have missed previous episodes, um, I was offered to be given my own of love show. And I had had a couple of um, 
office meetings, conversations with Chris Abrego and Mark Cronin, who were the two heads of 51 Minds and the creators of the Of Love shows. And they basically told me they wanted to do um, a show called I Love Lacey, which would be uh, basically like a play on words from I Love New York meets I Love Lucy, another crazy redhead. I was totally on board. I was single at the time. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun. I definitely have a type though, for sure. And I'm sure you guys already know I'm a rocker chick, so I'm definitely into the rocker guys. But more specifically, I, I, when I was growing up, I was really into like the goth rock music. So I listened to like The Cure and Depeche Mode and Skinny Puppy and bands like that. I definitely like the dark rock stuff, but I, I love, I love like, you know, regular rock and roll as well. But, um, my husband, I was very, very blessed because not only do he and I get along really well and he, he matches me intellectually and he is just as much of a smart ass as I am. So <laughs> we match each other like that as well. He also is exactly the look that I like. And that was what first attracted me to him. And so I definitely like, you know, the, the dark hair and like the kind of gothy rocker look. Just to give you an example, one of my first man crushes when I was young was Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. I was always a huge, huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Love me some Trent Reznor. More specifically, I love the villain characters, as you know. So if any of you are into the Marvel comic book movies. Settle down, nerds. I'm not as cool as you think I am. My husband is all about like the Marvel stuff. He's the one that introduced me to all of it. So my favorite villain character from Marvel is Loki. I love his look. I love his smart assness. So that's my look. Okay. Just so you guys all know. So had I done, um, an I love Lacey, I definitely would love to have like the kind of brooding, edgy, dark haired rocker guys. That's like definitely what I'm into. So as far as like, what would the show be like? What would it look like? If I was interested in a guy, if I thought a guy was hot, I was like, oh, we should hang out. Maybe I want to date this guy. My number one prerequisite, he had to keep up with me as far as um, my sense of humor. Now I will say I have a pretty dark, sardonic sense of humor. I, I'm definitely a ball buster. A lot of times I'm, I'll do like the really ridiculous, immature dad jokes too. Like I love like the sews your face and that kind of thing. But if I can like fuck with a guy like pretty early on and he, um, and he gets it and he understands that I'm just like fucking with him. I'm just playing. And then especially if he dishes it back to me, then I'm just like, you're in, you know? And so I don't really know psychologically why I do that. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of testing their confidence. You know, I, I don't like arrogance in a guy. Like that is one thing that if you're arrogant, all I want to do is just like bring you down five notches. <laughs> and I'm usually not very nice about the way I do it. So yeah, arrogance, no confidence very sexy, attractive quality for sure. To me also, if you have a partner or a friend or a family member that you can like bust each other's balls and, and like tease each other, to me, I think that that shows a mutual trust, you know, because you trust that the person is going to tease you and, and be playful with you, not in a way that's actually going to hurt your feelings, but, um, and the same thing, you know, with you teasing and play, being playful with them. So for me, like, I, I also want to know that you don't take yourself too seriously. That, that also is kind of like a big thing for me. So if I, if I was doing an, I love lazy show, I definitely like right out the gate would probably like fuck with the guys a little bit, but I would do it in a playful way. And I would quickly find out like 
who can hang, who, who gets it, who understands that I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to like hurt their feelings, but they can, they can take it in stride and laugh and they don't take themselves too seriously. But also I want to see like, can you dish it back to me? You know, can you do it? Can you be playful back? So like sense of humor is huge. You know, of course we all want to be physically attracted to our partners, but like you know, a really, really, really big one, probably even more so than physical attractiveness is a sense of humor. I like somebody that I can like debate with, that I can spar with. And again, like doesn't take anything personally, doesn't, doesn't get, um, doesn't take themselves too seriously. That's really the bottom line. So I would definitely be testing these guys. And if they can roll with the punches, if they can hang, I'm down. But I also need somebody who loves animals. You know, that's a very important one for me. In fact, about a year after, maybe even six months after I filmed Rock of Love is when I got into my dog rescue organization, which was called Heroes Canine Rescue. I had my own dogs. I think I had at the time, I think I had like three or four dogs, but I also was fostering dogs from the animal shelter and rehabilitating dogs or either were sick or injured. So at any given time, my dogs plus the foster dogs, I usually had like up to 10 dogs in the house at any given time. I was also single, but I had been in and out of long-term relationships, short-term relationships. So in that period of time, right after Rock of Love, I was basically just doing like me time, you know, and I was focusing on this dog rescue thing, which I was really, um, passionate about at the time. So I remember this girl that I knew, she came over to my house one time and she was like, girl, you know, you have all these dogs and like, how are you ever going to land a man with all these dogs? And like, what happens if, if you come across a guy and he's like really nice and he's like into music and he's into all the same things that you're into and you really like him and he's really good looking, but he's like, you know, I would, I would be with you, but I don't want to have all these dogs. She's like, what would you do then? And I was like, well, if that's the case, then he's not the man for me. And that friendship actually didn't last <laughs> that much longer after that. But the funniest part is a couple of years later is when I met my husband. And I remember when he first asked me to move in with him, I had four dogs at the time. I had three Great Danes and um, a Siberian Husky mix. And so I told him like, hey, you know, we're a package deal. I'll move in with you, but I'm bringing my four dogs with me. And it was like, he was like, yeah, of course. Like, why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> and so he totally accepted me with all of my dogs and he is just as much about dogs as I am. The funniest part about all that is that girl who said that to me is still single. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah, if I had my own I Love Lacey show, I definitely would be like, yeah, so here's a German Shepherd, here's a Rottweiler, and here's a Pitbull. I would like to see you guys walk them around the block and go. <laughs> So yeah, I would definitely have had a lot of fun with that for sure. Okay, so now I'm going to go with a question that is non-Rock of Love related. This question on YouTube is from Jill. What's up, Jill? I recognize you. Jill is actually one of the Talk of Love contributors. What's up, girl? So Jill asks, I want to hear you chat about the craziest moment while you were on tour with your band. Okay, I have a crazy story. I have a lot of crazy stories from being on the road, but I'll tell you one of the craziest. In 2010 which was right about three years after Rock of Love, I was invited to go on tour and sing for a band called Lords of Acid. Lords of Acid have been around forever. They're one of my favorite bands. They have a cool thing about them that basically every time they go on tour, they have a different lineup, they have a different singer. So I was very blessed I got to sing for them on one of their tours in 2010. So on that tour, the co-headliner was a band called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. You guys might have heard of them. They had a huge hit song called Sex on Wheels, which 
which was on the soundtrack for a movie back in the 90s, I believe, called Cool World. And they were featured in The Crow. Anyway, they were the co-headliners and we were all on a tour bus together. And it was a really, really, really fun tour. However, there was a show that we did when we were performing in Salt Lake City. And we've, I've played in Salt Lake City a bunch of times, it, even though it's like a Mormon city. Um, there's definitely like a huge group of like rockers and, and goths and they love to come out to the shows and they're very supportive. And so it always ends up being like really fun shows. And in fact, I, I heard it's a very religious type city, but like you really can't even tell. Like everybody there is really nice. It's a very beautiful city as well. So. <laughs> There was one night where we were performing and I saw the singer of Thrill Kill Cult. His name is Groovy Man. I know him as Frankie. That's his real name, but Groovy Man's his stage name. I saw Frankie. He was walking around and you could tell he'd had like a few drinks and he had this couple with him and they were like glued to his side. And I'm thinking like, okay, are these friends of his that he hasn't seen in a long time? But it got to the point where they were sort of like leechy and... It was making me a little bit nervous. I went and talked to some of his other band members like, hey, have you seen Frankie? Have you seen that couple that's like, won't leave him alone? And um, they were like, yeah, it's kind of concerning to us too. We're keeping an eye on him. He seems to be having fun, whatever. Whenever there's like an after party or something going on with one of the shows, we don't, we as the band don't have a way to get there because we just have like the tour bus. If we were invited to an after party or something by one of the fans, um, rather than calling a cab, the fans will just be like, I'll take you and your band members. I'll just take you guys in the car if you want to go with us. And we always were cool with that. And I was always with a group and usually it was like me and a bunch of guys. So I usually felt safe. Later on in the night, Frankie disappeared. I didn't know where he went, but it wasn't like anything unusual. So the couple went, turned to me and my band members and were like, Hey, do you guys want to go to this party? We've got the car in the parking lot. We can drive you there. So me and my band members, we got in the back of this car and the guy was driving and his, and his girl was the passenger. So we were in the parking lot we were getting ready to leave. And the guy was like, Hey, um, where's Frankie? And I was like, um, I haven't seen him in like an hour or so. I'm sure he'll meet us at the party. He knows about it. He's like, no, no, no. We need Frankie to go. We need Frankie to go. And he got really kind of like intense about it. He drives over to the tour bus and he parks near it. And this is like the very end of the night. This is like two o'clock in the morning and everybody is, has left the club. And the only people that are left are basically like the crew for the tour. So they're loading all the band equipment back into the trailers. So I'm sitting in the back of the car and the guy drives the car over to the tour bus and he puts it in park. He gets out of the car and goes onto the tour bus to go looking for Frankie. Now, generally speaking, um, your tour bus when you're on the road is like your house. So having somebody just like walk onto the tour bus is sort of the same as somebody just walking into your front door. It's like really not cool unless you're invited. Um, you know, all of our personal belongings are there. And also like, we don't know who you are. So the rest of the band members for Thrill Co Cult were on the bus. I don't even know where Frankie was. I think he was like in the, in the venue still. The guy, he gets onto the bus and he walks on and, and everybody in Thrill Co Cult were kind of like, startled. And he was like, Hey, where's Frankie? And they're like, I don't know where Frankie is. He might be inside. I don't know. And the guy starts getting like very agitated. He's like, no, no, no. I need to know where he is. We're supposed to hang out after the show. I need to know where he is. And the band's like, I don't know, dude, can you like, please get off of our bus? The dude reaches into his backpack and pulls out a fucking gun. So there's a girl named Jackie Black and she's fucking awesome. And she is a badass. And she is a, a big, strong girl. And as soon as this guy 
reached into his backpack to grab the gun. She instinctively knew that something was very wrong. So as he was looking down, she completely tackled the guy, started punching him in the ribs. The whole band started attacking him and they grabbed his backpack and pulled the backpack off of him. He gets off the tour bus and he starts running back towards the car, which is where I am. One of the other band members from Thoco Cult runs to the back door of the, of the club, opens the door and screams, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. There's a couple of miraculous things that happened this night. For starters, the the security for the club, they were, this was a huge club and they were all the way in the back upstairs. They heard the guy from Tilco Cult screaming, he's got a gun. And they ran down the stairs across the club, came outside and ran across the parking lot. And so now skip to me and the car. And so from my perspective, I'm just shooting the shit with this girl. And, you know, my band members are back there. I hear someone going, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so I look to my left, I remember, and this dude was running like as fast as he could towards the car. And I could see the two security guards for the club running after him. And so I'm looking at this like, uh, what's going on? This looks bad. So the guy jumps in the car and he starts like fumbling for his keys. Now, another good, like miraculous thing that happened is he just so happened to have his window down. So he shuts the door. He's trying to turn on the ignition, but his keys are fumbling. And meanwhile, that gave enough time for the two security guys to run to the car. And both of them reached in and they basically grabbed this guy by the head through the driver's side window, which was rolled down. And they're going, where's the gun? Where's the gun? So I'm in the back seat. It's a tiny ass car, by the way. So I'm like, ah, what the hell? And so I'm, one of my band members was to my left. I was in the center seat in the back and I'm yelling at him, like, get out of the car, get out of the car. But the doors are locked and he's trying to open, unlock the door, open the door. So finally he gets the door open and, um, we all get out of the car. And in that amount of time, the security was able to, um, open the car door from the driver's side and drag this guy out and pin him to the ground. So I was shaking. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I go onto the tour bus where I see the Thrill Cold Cold guys. And, and I'm like, what just happened? And they told me what happened. They end up going through his backpack. He had several handguns, tons of ammunition. The security guards, they called the police. Um, within minutes, there was like five cop cars. And they end up arresting the guy and going through his car. And when they checked the trunk, there was a loaded AK-47 in the trunk of this dude's car, the same car that me and my two band members were sitting in the back seat of. If the security had not been so on it, I mean, the fact they ran down a flight of stairs across a club, um, across the parking lot, they grabbed the guy through the window. The fact the window was down, if it had been up, we would have been fucked. If that guy had driven away with us in the back seat and he was that agitated with a fucking loaded AK-47 in the back of his fucking trunk, Lord only knows, you know, we were all like really, really shaken up. I found the security guy and I was like, you guys fucking saved our life. Like I... I never felt like I was ever in a situation before where someone saved my life and my band members' lives, but like those guys saved our lives. I mean, I have no idea what would have happened if that guy had left with us in the back of the car, but um, but I was very grateful for those security guards. I was grateful for fucking badass Jackie Black who kicked this dude's ass. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a crazy, crazy wild night. And the lesson learned from that, two lessons was, A, don't leave the the door to the tour bus unlocked, we would get lazy. We had keys like on our necklace that we would wear our, like our laminates around our neck. And we just got sick of like locking and unlocking, you know, with the key. So we would just leave it open out of laziness. And I was like, 
never going to do that again. <laughs> Keep your door locked. And um, we also learned like, don't get in the car with strangers, take a fucking cab, you know? So um, that was a crazy, crazy, crazy night. And Salt Lake City of all places, you would think everybody there was like pretty sane and normal, but apparently not. <laughs> so anyway, that was definitely one of the wilder, wilder stories, things that happened on the road. So I have another question from somebody on YouTube. Stardust Speedway says, my name is Art. Here's my question. Lacey, as you've grown older and more wiser, what's one piece of advice you'd give to younger Lacey? Um, I would say the one main thing that I have learned, actually, no, there's two things. Uh, number one, I would say patience. Patience is a really big deal. Uh, I have a lot of energy. I think I speak very fast. I operate very fast. And um, sometimes I have to tell myself, like, if you don't get an answer right now, or if you don't know what is going on right now, it's okay. Just chill, just relax. You don't need to know everything right at this exact moment. Patience, you know, that's definitely a big one. But my number one that I've learned um, in my 40s, it took me a long time to figure this one out, but this will be important for you guys who are younger. This is a big one. Ego. Your ego is your enemy. Fuck your ego in the ass. Do away with it. It will not help you if you make any decisions based on your ego. If you are trying to resolve a dispute with somebody, um, if you're trying to figure something out, if you're trying to figure out how to react to something or what to say or what to do or how to behave, if you lead with your ego, it will steer you wrong. Now, that's not the same as your self-confidence. Self-confidence is very, very important. And uh, I have been lucky in that because of the way my mom raised me specifically, I've always been a self-confident person. The way that you can tell, well, how do I know if what I have is self-confidence or is it ego? The way that you can tell is self-confidence is something that you feel and it's energy that you exude, but you don't necessarily need other people to be aware of it. You might be aware of it. You've, you're aware that you feel good about yourself, that you can conduct yourself well, that you're well-spoken or that you're funny or that you're fun to be around and people like you. Like you may know that about yourself and you have faith in yourself. You believe in yourself. These are things that you know, but you don't need to tell anybody. You don't need people to know that. You don't need people to figure that out. They will figure that out. You don't need to let them know. But um, ego is, I feel good about myself or I want people to like me or I feel like people like me and I, I need people to know that. I need people to know that I'm a good person or I'm a funny person or I'm a smart person or whatever. So if you need people to know that about you, that's your ego and that will get you in trouble. If you know that about yourself and you're okay with the fact that you don't need to tell people, um, that's just something that you feel that that's just for you. That's your self-confidence. Ego will definitely get you in trouble. As I said, like being married really taught me that, you know, um, I always was very independent in life and I always just kind of made my own decisions about things. And I always thought my way is the right way. And, and I would compromise with people that disagreed with me at times, depending on the situation. But primarily I just thought that like my ways was the way to go. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you think that? Um, but when I got married, I had to go, okay, there's another person here that I really, really care about. And I really, really love. And if I just act like, you know, um, it's my way or the highway, you're going to alienate that person. Um, you might drive them away. And also 
as much as they want you to compromise, you want them to compromise. And so you, you have to both have the ability to do that. And if there's a disagreement and you don't want to resolve things or you want them to apologize, but you don't want to apologize, or if they're calling you out on something that maybe they have a little bit of validity to, and you get really defensive about it, as opposed to just sitting back and like listening to them and going, okay, I guess you're right. I did kind of fuck up there. If you are defensive, that's your ego. That's your ego. And, um, nobody wants to try to have a conversation or resolve anything with somebody who's being defensive and and fighting back. So like you got to check your ego, especially when there's a disagreement. You got to check your ego when you're just existing in the world. Nobody wants to be around somebody who has a huge ego. Those people are annoying assholes. Also, people who have egos generally don't have the best interest of anybody else, but people with self-confidence do. People with self-confidence, they know that what is good for Everybody is also good for them. So um, definitely make sure, check your ego. Ego is not your friend. Ego is not going to help you. You don't need to run around and tell people how awesome you are. If you're awesome, they'll figure it out. And if not, then don't hang out with those people, you know, but you don't need to, to tell them. That's not a thing. So um, that would be the one thing I would go back and, and tell myself, like, check your ego. Your ego is the enemy. So the last thing that I want to get into before I let you guys go, on the last episode of Love of Talk, I revealed to you guys that I am a natural blonde. And the responses that I got were like, huh? How is that a thing? So I have proof with me today. I have some photos of me um, sporting my natural blonde hair that um, I think you guys will find to be pretty funny. When I was maybe like six or so. And this was my first trauma. <laughs> I must've been at the circus or something. I'm like, really mom and dad, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Here's when I was a little older, maybe like 14, 15 years old. Look at that rocking hairstyle with the bangs. <laughs> Then my mom decided that I should cut my hair and try a bob hairstyle, but this was back before we had straightening irons, and um, my hair is really thick, and the only reason that it is behaved is because the weight of itself keeps it down, but um, this is what happens when I cut my hair really short. Yeah, <laughs> that's a look, huh? I'm just like, I hate myself, I hate my life, and I want to kill myself and everybody around me. Then I started... Uh, Getting into my teenage years, 15, 16, I was starting to get out of my awkward phase. And um, this was when I was still trying to convince people that I was innocent. I'm like, no, really, you can trust me. I would never shove you into a pool or anything like that. Shortly after that is when I entered my goth slash slutty phase. Here's another of me doing um, brooding goth with the cat suit. I talk about this a lot, but I've never actually shown you guys pictures. I am really big into horses as much as I have been into dogs. This is me with a horse named Champ. Champ was my buddy. He was awesome. He was giant also, by the way. He was a show jumper, and he was a breed called a Holsteiner, which is a German breed. But he was also my baby, as giant as he is. He was fucking awesome. This is the same horse. This is me actually competing. Um, I know it's hard to tell that it's me, but... Um, Maybe you can. I don't know. But anyway, this is definitely like my thing that I love to do. So yeah, that's me. There's a proof. I actually was born blonde. And uh, I always tell people though, I think I was, I think I was redhead on the inside though. The blonde hair was on the outside. The red was always on the inside. Well, that's it for another episode of Love of Talk. I really appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'll see you next Monday on Talk of Love, where my guest 
will be Bones from I Love New York Season 1 and from I Love Money Season 2. And then after that, the following Thursday, I'll be giving you another episode of Love of Talk. I also want to give a shout out to the contributors. You guys are the ones who are making this podcast happen. So I appreciate you all so, so much. If you are interested in becoming a contributor, if you're interested in rewards, then be sure to check out my website, talkoflove.net. From there, you can click on the contribute button or you can click on reaction videos and select rewards. And speaking of reaction videos, I just got done with doing reaction videos for Rock of Love season two. I've also done the full season of Rock of Love 1, Flavor of Love 1, Charm School with Sharon Osbourne, and I'm getting ready to do reaction videos for I Love Money Season 1. If you are interested in these, they are $25. All the money goes back into the podcast. They are commercial free. And uh, when I'm doing my commentary, I hit pause on it so I don't talk over the um, the show. Some of you were asking me about that. I hit the pause button. I give my comments or I give my reactions or I give my insider knowledge about the situation and then I um, continue on. But they're a lot of fun. I've definitely had a blast with it. Um, so far, they've been very well received by the people who have seen them. So definitely be sure to pick up the show that you are interested in seeing me react to. Thank you guys so, so much. I really appreciate your support, your kindness, your love, and I will continue doing these on a weekly basis. Be safe, take care of each other, and don't threaten me with a good time.